0: First, again, let me pray. Let's pray together. Help us to be attentive to you this morning, God, to the things you would teach us, not only cognitively, intellectually, educationally, informationally, but also in our spirits and transformationally. Help us to be attentive make us available to you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are good and fertile soil to receive your word. I ask and pray uh, that as my words are true to your word, that they would be taken to heart. If my words in any way deviate from even the spirit of your words, may they not even be heard. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen. The book of Acts follows the Gospels in the Bible of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels tell or give accounts of uh, the birth, life, ministry, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. Right after that, the book of Acts gives an account of the birth, the life, the ministry of the church, of the forming and the emerging and the ministry of Christ's people. And they're going forth as a church. We're going to pick up the story of Acts this morning at chapter 11, beginning at verse 19. Listen closely, this is the word of God. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in Jerusalem that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Jews who had sort of ended up all over that part of the world. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord and now i'm going to read those verses again for those who are visual learners i'm going to read those verses we're going to put a map up on the screen uh, of the eastern part of the mediterranean sea highlighting each of these areas the geography isn't super key in understanding this passage of scripture but it's helpful at least for those of us who are visual learners so here goes one more time verse 19. now those who had been scattered primarily out of jerusalem and away from Jerusalem by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed at the end of uh, chapter 7 in Acts, traveled as far as Phoenicia, and Phoenicia was the region along the coast there on the eastern uh, Mediterranean that now is occupied by Lebanon, more or less, by Phoenicia and Cyprus, the island, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, which is down just off the bottom of the map in North Africa, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now on to verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, in order, in other words, the effectiveness of God's grace in people's lives, Barnabas was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, And when he found him, he brought him. Barnabas knew that as gifted as he was as an encourager, Gifted by God for encouraging people, he could use some help for what was going on here in Antioch. And he knew who could help him. He knew someone who had encountered God's grace in a powerful and transformational way and, had who, and who had consequently devoted himself fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. To studying the ways and the teachings of Jesus and living by God's grace in Christ who trusted in Jesus, the man who was born Saul but whose Name was later changed to Paul. So Barnabas hiked it all the way over to Tarsus, that orange arrow up on the map, met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The author of Acts records, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Verse 27 now. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This actually happened, the author writes, during the reign of Claudius, Emperor Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, in Antioch, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea, which is that area where Jerusalem is. They did, this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch. And this was not insignificant. Up until this time, those who followed Jesus were called followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus. Or in several instances in the book of Acts, simply the way. Probably taken off of Jesus' teaching about the way. They as a community were just called the way. But in Antioch where some of Jesus' followers had at first fled and then others later went to preach. And where this massive revival was breaking out. The author of Acts tells us in verse 21 that a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And then in verse 24, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And in Antioch, Jesus' followers were given a new name. They were given a name that they did not choose themselves, that they had not come up with, Christian. And there were reasons for this. There were reasons that are not only interesting, but also pertinent to our situation and our identity even today. But first, I think it's important for me at least that we recognize that the name or the title or the label Christian doesn't mean today in our world, in our culture, in our society, in our neighborhoods, exactly what it meant when it was first used in Antioch. Today, today in our world, depending on where exactly one lives and the worldview the, of the particular people among whom one lives and the particular bubble or microculture in which one lives or doesn't live, the term Christian may very well refer to a sort of default religion, I'm going to call it. A default religion with which one identifies the default religion of one's area. A person may be a Christian... For example, simply because one's parents or grandparents or family was Christian. Or because it has been in most parts of our nation for hundreds of years the dominant religious framework through which people have seen the world. Or because in most corners of the United States still today, the landscape has been filled not with synagogues or mosques or temples. But instead with church after church after church after church. And so it feels like we are simply by default a Christian culture by the existence of church buildings all around us. So that in one sense to be American for some is to be a Christian of some sort by default. One only needs to observe the frequency with which American flags have been placed prominently in Christian sanctuaries and the frequency In some regions in which hymns about the United States have been sung in Christian worship services. To see that in many places and for many people, the United States and Christianity have become one and the same. In other words, following Jesus synonymous with being American. Having fit together like hand and glove. Almost being synonymous, at least for those who are not paying close attention. Are you with me on this? For many of us, growing up Christian or becoming Christian or being Christian was simply normative. Most, if not all, of the people that we knew or hung around with or hung out with growing up were Christian. Lots of people went to church on Sunday mornings, which was the most obvious mark of someone being a Christian. But even that mark was not necessary for being Christian because basically everyone around us identified themselves actively or passively by default as Christian. Whether or not they had had a personal encounter with God, whether or not they experienced the grace of God, whether or not they were filled with God's Spirit, whether or not they intended to follow Jesus at all. But such was obviously not the case In Antioch the term Christian can be almost more of a religious flavor in our culture today compared to how it was in Antioch where the name was first coined where the name had its roots and how did this name come about and why did it come about in Antioch Judaism including Judaism in Antioch 2,000 years ago had many sects S-E-C-T-S. There were a number of sects in Judaism and those who were not Jewish paid a little attention to the differentiation between various Jewish sects. They did not distinguish between them. But then this new sect of Judaism that sprung up in Antioch did distinguish itself from the others. They... They did distinguish themselves as different and unique. The followers of the Jewish rabbi Jesus were different in remarkable ways than all of the other Jews there. They stood out, they stood apart in new and significant ways. They were by their lives distinguished from others. And how? Apparently they talked about Jesus and preached about Jesus incessantly to anyone who would listen. They talked and talked and talked about Jesus. The word Christian literally means one in Christ's camp, one who follows Jesus, one who belongs to Christ, one who incessantly, obsessively talks about Christ In contrast to its almost generic meaning today. And Christ, as you probably, hopefully know, was not Jesus' last name. But rather the Greek word for the Jewish term Messiah, which meant anointed one. The one anticipated by the Jews. The one whom God would send to lead and teach and rescue and save. The one by whom God would redeem the world. And these Christians in Antioch believed That Jesus was the Christ for whom they and other Jews had been waiting for years. And who then, even right then, was actually redeeming the world. And not just the Jewish people, but the entire world. And in them and through them. They were anticipating people. Hence, the focus on Christ. These people, the sect could have been called Jesusites or something like that, but they were called Christians because they saw in Jesus the fulfillment of the Jews hundreds of years of waiting and anticipating and looking forward to one who would change everything. And they saw in Jesus this person and that they saw him actually bringing about actively still in their day, place, and time, this redemption ongoing even in Antioch, right there. And the Christians in Antioch believed that God was actively, presently bringing about his kingdom in their midst. They believed that the anticipated coming of the anticipated king was being fulfilled, but not just in the present, but that it would still be fulfilled in the future. That he was actively carrying out and bringing about all that they had dreamed of. And because the Jews' coming Messiah necessarily had political implications, this movement of Christians disrupted the status quo and was a cause for alarm among the local political establishment. And so the Christians were accused of being seditionists in Antioch as well as in other places, and they were persecuted. Think about how we think about Christian today as being a fairly innocuous flavor. But these Christians did not waver. They did not hold back with courage and conviction and joy. They were, if necessary and as necessary, willing to defy the governments, including the government of Antioch, to stand boldly and with faith in the face of persecution just like their Lord before them. Do we understand the term Christian to mean that today? And they were a radically inclusive community for their time. They were rich and they were poor together in Antioch. Together. They were prominent citizen and former prostitute together in Antioch. They were Greek And they were Jew, radically together, contrasting and conflicting cultures, together as one in Antioch. They were a radically inclusive community. Is that how we understand the term Christian today? The disciples who came to Antioch were noteworthy and so got the attention of the mother church in Jerusalem and the 12 disciples there who sort of governed over the expanding church because they, Jesus' disciples in Antioch, preached Christ not only to Jews but also to Greeks, to Gentiles, to heathens, to riffraff, to those who had previously been far from God, who had been considered outside the circle of God's grace, And the Christians in Antioch distinguished themselves in radical ways through their generosity. They lived as people, as we read earlier in Acts, who held all things in common, who considered what they had to not only be theirs, but to belong also to their brothers and sisters in Christ and in some ways to everyone. They lived open-handedly. At the end of those verses that we read this morning, remember Agapus comes and prophesies that there will be a famine in all of the Roman lands during the time of Claudius. And that happened and that came about. And particularly affected by that famine were the people of Jerusalem, the Jews, the Greeks, the Christians in Jerusalem. And the first church to send resources even when they were experiencing that famine as well were these radical Christians in Antioch who through Paul and Barnabas pooled their resources and sent the first and most magnificent gift to the suffering in Jerusalem. They were a people who were filled with the Spirit, who lived generously, who were inclusive of others, who could not stop talking about Jesus, who saw him active in their world. And Peter or, or Paul. And Barnabas taught for a year. And one gets the impression that they did nothing but teach and teach and teach and teach. And there was so much teaching to be done because the people were hungry. And they were eating it up. And they were being trained. As we talked about last week. They were going to school in Antioch. They were learning what it was like to be in Christ, to be saved by his grace, to live by his faith, to be empowered by his spirit. It was as if the entire church in Antioch was in school, was in training with Paul and Barnabas intensely and doing nothing else for a year or more. And it brought about this revolution. And so it happens just after this time that Antioch and not Jerusalem became, becomes the center and the going out point for all of the good news about Jesus. Back when Jesus was sending out his disciples, he said, you will go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we got this idea that the concentric circles were going out from Jerusalem. But the concentric circles really later went out from Antioch. Paul was sent from Antioch over and over. Disciples, missionaries, evangelists went out from Antioch, where the Christian movement was in some ways reborn with that name. Those are our roots, brothers and sisters. Those are our roots. That is where our name came from, geographically, but also spiritually. That is who we are. That is who we are called to be. Not ordinary citizens who fit in almost anonymously in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, in our worlds. But by the power of God's Spirit dwelling within us and His grace transforming us. God is calling His church out not to be another latent institution on the corners of our society, but to be salt and light and spirit and power, infusing, redeeming, reconciling and rescuing a lost and straying world. That is who we are. Those are our roots. That is who we are called to be. You are called to be. The church, First Presbyterian Church, as Walter talked about, in so many ways has been for decades and is called to be again today as a community and as individuals. The words of Martin Lloyd-Jones on the cover of our bulletin this morning. We Christians are to live in such a way that people coming into contact with us will not understand us, will be puzzled by us, will feel that we are some sort of an enigma and will be driven to say, well, they are as they are because they belong to that Christ of whom they speak. They are different. May we be and become those kind of people, not to prove ourselves. God has already rescued us, already saved us by his grace but that we might live fully into that to which God has called us, our identity in Him. That we might see God's kingdom come and that He might be glorified. That the lost might be rescued. That the bewildered might be welcomed in. To this we are called. Let's pray. Make us, God, who we are. Empower us with your spirit. Draw us into yourself. Make us Christians. As your people were Christians in Antioch. Light a fire beneath us. Fill us with joy. Make us people who cannot, cannot not speak of your son. Make your church one. One. Help us to be inclusive. Whatever that means in our world. To welcome in those who haven't been welcomed. To become friends with people who have been enemies. To love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Bring this about, God, in this place and through us throughout the world. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen.